The podcast where three friends come together and break down what's new in the Japanese music industry. Now, today is kind of a special podcast here, as if you guys have been reading between the lines or listening between the lines of our last couple episodes throughout the month. This is going to be a lovely artist spotlight on the artist Kenshi Yonezu, but I'm your host, Ken, and with me we have Gray. You can call me the stray sheep for this podcast. Oh boy. <laughs> yep. and I guess you can call and me Luna. the. I was going to say I'm bootlegging it, but I think I'm going to go with I'm the Yankee. You're the Yankee? I, 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 you I you guess... do kind of have a slightly northern accent. You have a Midwestern accent, but you kind of mistake it for a northern accent. I wasn't thinking of that Yankee. I was thinking of what they call a Yankee in Japan, you know, delinquent. Kind of <laughs> like if you watch Kamikaze uh, Girls. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a good call. That's a good call. I guess I'm just official orange then. You're the. You could be man. a lemon. You're 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 the shaman of the group. You're the you're you're the, the shaman. I'm I'm the, I'm the guy. That, I'm I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the guy that Brennan. just goes on and chants. Are you gonna be the flamingo? Fla 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 flamingo. No, oh, maybe I'll be a flamingo. There we go. Fla 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 flamingo. Don't strike us, Sony. <laughs> yeah, don't strike us for the love of God. <laughs> well, this ain't going up on the YouTube, so we won't have to worry about a strike. So. No, no, we're good. We're good. But yeah, you know, this is the last artist spotlight that we did in a little while. The last one was AAA. And the next one is uh, also going to be done by me for here. And and I don't know how to feel about that next one because I know for a fact that that's probably going to be like a four hour podcast. It's going to be a big one. Live. It's going to be big. Lot to talk about and go through. It's gonna be big. I'm I'm not looking forward to writing that script. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not doing it. Hey, we're gonna be dropping the funky beats with the J-pop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm I'll standing, be taking the the, the just waving my hands. <laughs> I'll be taking the duties for thing. for this one and and talking about the lovely Kenshi Yonezu. So. Let's get the ball rolling here. He is he was born in March of 1991 in the lovely island of Tokushima. That's where Kyo used to live. So, oh, so nice. That's, that's very interesting. And his first foray into the music industry was back in high school in 2006, where he had formed a band with his his guitarist friend, and it was called Late Rabbit Ida. And he was the band's vocalist, songwriter, and sometimes other guitarists there. 
And during his time, he uploaded a plethora of tracks on Nico Nico Dongo and a bunch of other music sites. And it, it was all right. It didn't really break too much internet fame. That's Rise to Fame started back in 2009, where he bought Vocaloid software. If you guys don't know what Vocaloid software is, it's a computing program to make music. And it's one of the more popular things is uh, Hatsune Miku and stuff like that. And so he bought that software to compose tracks, and his breakout hit was Butsunde Hiraite Detsu to Mukoro. And his, that was his first track to break over 1 million views on Niku Niku Dango. And from there on, his popularity started to grow with the rise of Vocaloid. His track Clock Lock Works was featured on the Vocaloid compilation album supernova which was done by exitune they're kind of a heavy player in the vocaloid industry and that was his first career album and that was originally released in december of 2009 he was also featured on vocaloid legend featuring hatsune miku with mutsuden hiraite retsu to mukuro in january 2010 and unfortunately in 2010 that's when he put an end to his late Rabbit Ida work where he began to feel like he didn't work well with the members that he had on the band and he decided to work with Vocaloid songs exclusively, which is kind of sad because he deleted all those songs too. I don't, I'm not too sure if he re-uploaded them, but I would have loved to hear his early works before he started doing Vocaloid and that would have been a real treat, but... He started working with Vocaloid in 2010, and he released two albums, Hanataba to Suiso and Official Orange in February and November, respectively. And during this time, he was featured on many projects that were featuring Hatsune Miku, such as Exit Tunes album, Vocaloid Nexus featuring Hatsune Miku, and a lot of the games that has Hatsune Miku. So all the Project Diva stuff, Project Diva Extends and Project Diva F, specifically so if you actually have those games you probably had heard his work under his old moniker hachi his songs was also featured on hatsune miku's miku no hi dankai sha shine in 2012 and became the first number one dvds and blu-ray for a virtual singer so i want to bring it to you guys first how'd you guys feel about listening to his old vocaloid work it was interesting. So I love the composition work he did for it. I think it is fantastic and a great start to his career for sure. It's interesting hearing the vocaloid aspect, like, you know, the virtual singer, because it's very cutesy and very girly. And you could, it just doesn't seem like him besides some of the composition work is very unique to it. Like the ones that stood out to me on Hanabata to Suiso were Persona Addis, um, Clock Clock Works, which is one of his big ones, Qualia, Humorous Dream of Miss Pumpkin. So they're they're interesting. And like Official Orange was also kind of like, it was one of those things that's just odd and kind of catches you off guard when you hear the music he does today. But I will say just the, like I, like, you know, to reiterate, his composition is fantastic. And... I think this gave him a great start and helped him shape who he is. Yeah, I, I really agree a lot with what Luna said. Um, probably going to echo a lot of, of what she just said. Vocaloid is not really my thing, so I don't know if I could 
really recommend a particular song that um, he did, but with his Vocaloid stuff, it, it is his, his early stuff, but you can really see like the composer side of him really starting to come out in that and it is a shame i would have loved to have heard his original stuff with his band because you know i i felt like i've always felt like you know he does his best work when he's collaborating with people uh so it, it's kind of a shame that he deleted all that because i'm really curious to see how that that sounded and and that would be cool to compare and contrast that to his vocaloid stuff but you know, you do see like the early like him really starting to figure himself out and figuring out where he wants to go and, and take his his music career and this is definitely very, very interesting to compare and contrast where he is today to where he started at with his Vocaloid stuff. And that was a it was pretty interesting to listen to those two albums and get a feel for them and everything. No, exactly. It was very interesting to kinda of hear like both albums. I, I was a more of a official orange kind of guy, but it it was mostly because a lot of the songs were featured on Project Diva and stuff like that. I used to play Project Diva not knowing any of the songs, but now kind of thinking of it, I was like, oh, he was already featured on a lot of Mik- Miku's songs already, so it was good to like be first introduced to him through through Vocaloid and not really know about it, honestly. <laughs> And we'll get about that a little bit later about me and him, so... But continuing on from there, you know, in March of 2011, Yunezu and several other musicians created this independent music label called Balloon, and it was specifically for internet musicians or internet content creators to kind of widen their international opportunities. So as vocaloids started to get a little bit much more bigger, obviously you're going to having wanting those content creators to kind of be able to connect with fans so to speak so that's one of the main reasons why they kind of started to do this and his first debut album was in 2012 and it was called dioramas and it debuted at number six on the oricon chart and sold over 45,000 copies which is pretty big at that time because it was the biggest release for that label up to that date and he had a theme with this one, and a lot of it was about town and home and homeland pride and stuff like that. And he did that theme because he actually recorded all the songs by himself at his house, and it was very interesting from that. So what do you guys had to say about Diorama? I would say, unfortunately, this was probably my least favorite album by him, but I will also say it's very, it feels kind of experimental as there is a lot of interesting tracks on there. I will say there was one that pops up in my honorable mentions, and that is Vivi. And I think that is his best track in that album. It is phenomenal, and I just love, just love how everything goes with it. it. Just the composition is great, and his vocals. And it's a great introduction to him, too, I feel like, especially if you're new. And it's not that the album's bad as a whole. It's just very interesting and odd. And I feel like for me, that's not the Kenshi I first heard. So it was a little bit harder for me to enjoy it as much as the other music. But I really respect what he did with it. And I feel like it deserves, you know, more listens than I've given his other works. Yeah, I I don't know. 
I'll disagree with Luna in one aspect of what she just said. I, I don't know if it's really the best place to start listening to Kenshi. I, I don't think this is his strongest work. Uh, I think uh, he starts hitting his stride a little bit better with his next album. But uh, once you're into him and, and enjoy his music as a fan, it is interesting to go back and listen to Diorama. And you can see where he started and really, you know, got a, get a feeling for, you know, you know, what his initial work sounded like and, and how he grew and expanded upon that as he would later grow in his career. So I, 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 that would be like the one thing that I would disagree with Luna on. Um, is is that I, I think um, I, I would I would start with some of the later works that we're going to talk about, but it, it's interesting to go back and listen and hear his his starting point and uh, as far as like his solo career goes and and like how he's evolved and matured over time. Oh no, that's that's for darn sure certain. There, Gray, I kind of agree with you on a lot of points there. Where it. I wouldn't start with this album. If for for me personally, I would start with his next album. But it for his solo works, his solo regular works, it sounds like he was trying to find out what he was trying to do with his solo career, which is fine. I mean, like I said, it's I will give an artist a benefit of a doubt for an album. He's trying so many different things, so he's going to try things that might not work, might be a little different and what was the first infancy of what his style would become but it it'll be it's kind of a little bit of a tougher pill to swallow and one of my other honorable mentions for these is vv like yours luna that was probably the only song that i really gravitated to everything else was it was all right but it was kind of just like eh, I'm, i'll kind of forget about it for the most part I felt the same way and I meant to say don't start with this because that's what I meant to say not start with this one this was like not a good starting point because I couldn't get into it personally that's why it was my least favorite and since I started with bootleg I think going from bootleg to this was like a big shock like you know it was it was very odd and hard to get into (laughs) oh yeah yeah that's that's for darn certain but you know it it was the first of many awards that he did win with, though. He was one of the winners for the 5th CD Shop Award. And we come to know that he does a lot of that. Because the Shop Awards, we reported on this originally back when Bootleg was hitting its stride. That he he does win a lot of rewards. And that's one good, good thing to kind of get the ball rolling for it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's for darn sure. Yeah, most definitely. So, soon after he... Yanezu kind of got picked up by a major label artist. It was Universal Sigma at the time. And then he debuted in May of 2013 with his sing- single Santa Maria. And he shifted to Universal because he wanted to be able to collaborate with similarly started- styled artists. So I think it was just him being by himself all the free- all the time was kind of hard. <laughs> so I guess he wanted to do that to be able to kind of compose for other things. And you kind of see that that he does eventually get his wish, but it's a little bit later than he would like to. But in October of 2013, he returned back to basics, releasing his first Vocaloid track in over two years with Donut Home and was featured... And it featured a live band with the vocalist Gumi for the track also. And... 
Also in October, he released his first double A-side, which is Bad Head Love and Poppin' Apathy. And he wanted to do his first double A-side with a unique twist as it'll be like a little bit of a yin and a yang with Mad Head Love being the yin to Poppy Ethethy's negative yang. And he actually invited the guitarist, Hiroshi Nakajima, from from his band days from late Rabbit Ida to actually be a part of the single. So it was really good for him. And unfortunately, the single missed the top 10 cutoffs at number 11. But his mainstream presence began to rise in 2014 with his second album, Yankee, in April. And it was his first major label release. And he tried to make this album sound so much different from the first one and he tended to write introspective lyrics to feel closer to the listener and he dubbed the the album yankee as he felt as he was becoming a yankee being an immigrant from the island of vocaloids to the land of mainstream and what what did you guys feel about this because this was kind of his big introduction to the mainstream art artistry i thought it flowed really well for a first album going to mainstream i thought it was actually pretty decent i i do believe that the there were certain standout songs more than others that really do stick with you i my only gripe is it's not available on apple music and i wish if it was because i think more people would give it a listen if it was more readily available and for me, it, you know, it's one of those that it was a little bit harder to come by. Um, but all in all, like, I, I thought it was solid. Like, I actually really like Santa Maria. And there was Aineku Daine, which is really good. I mean, I thought the album as a whole was solid. I mean, there's only certain ones I can pick out other over others. But it was a great start to a... A, um, how do you say it? A mainstream career. And it was a big jump from Diorama because I found this like a lot more songs that I like, but it was still a good, it was a good, it'll be a good progression from where we see is going to go. I feel like this album, he's starting to find what his music is flowing toward. And I think how he did his lyrics also makes it stand out a little bit more than Diorama. Yeah, Yankee is a very interesting album and it's certainly stands out i think a little bit more than diorama does and i do agree with ken's point i think if you're going to get into kenshi uh this would be a good starting point i think this is a a pretty solid album overall i you know there's a couple one or two tracks that i really liked uh, i can't talk about them because we'll talk about them later but you know overall i think this is a really good album I, it really shows his progress that he's made and you know it's still figuring out his style I, and i and i think you know it's really notable just the progress that he makes through this album and it, it's very telling when we get to the next because i think that's when he really finds it but you know th this album still stands out really well and does a good job of standing up on his own and is a great representation of his work so th this is this is one thing that i i would like to air before we kind of progress a little further here so i i view kenshi yunezu as as an artist as a creator and as a a industry 
contributor. He, he's a little out there, and we'll get upon this a little bit with his other music. And I consider him to another person that is also in a different industry that is also kind of out there for his directorial and writing. And that is Hideo Kojima. If you guys know him, he's the guy that does Metal Gear and all that stuff and Death Stranding. And like, if I were to make that comparison of what his works was to to Hideo, this is his Police Knots. And it's a great introduction to what his style is, what he wants to try and do. There are a good handful of songs I did like out of Yankee, much more than Iorama, and it's a great introduction. You don't get a feel of what he's going to progress to per se. That'll be his next album. But this is a great, great growing step, so to speak, of what his style is going to become overall. And that that's also kind of like how the same with Hideo Kojima, where Police Knots was kind of a, a little bit of a step of what his style was going to be. And I really think about this when we go into a lot of his further albums and just how different he approaches it. So it, it's one thing that I really did like from Yankee and how he tried to approach this album because it is something that he's trying to progress into the mainstream with. And I think it did really well. And obviously, a lot of other people liked it because the album peaked at number two on the Arkan charts. And... He followed up by doing his first concert with this as well. So it's kind of interesting how that progress for his popularity grew from this. After that, he in 2015, he released his first top 10 single called Flyerwall at number three. And it was labeled one of the best of 20s of 2015's of the Southern All-Star vocalist Keisuke Kawata's radio show, which is a high honor because... Southern All-Stars is such a staple in the industry, so it's it's to kind of pick that apart and be kind of noticed that that high of a caliber is really good. And Yunazu continued on with the single top 10 track with his song Unbelievers, which is also really good. And it led up to his third album, Bremen, which was his biggest to date as it did reach number one on the charts. And I want to kind of hear what you guys thought about this album because this is when he started to really hit his stride i think and i completely agree with that 100 percent because the first track in the album is unbelievers and it caught me immediately i loved it and continuing on that out brebin is fantastic and i mean it slows down a little bit toward the end as i didn't like I enjoyed the songs but not as much as the first half but as a whole album it is very solid I mean there's so many standout tracks on Bremen compared to Yankee and Diorama and it really gravitates you and makes you begin to understand the style and I would say if you want to start with an album of his it would be either Bremen or the next one we'll talk about. But I honestly think Bremen's a great starting point. I didn't start with this, but in a way, if I had to start from Kenshi all over again, or you, you know, you know, Kenshi all over again, I would start with. Pro I would probably want to start with Bremen because there are just so many goods like Flower Wall. It you know it hit hit in the top ten, and it is a fantastic one on Bremen. And not just that, I mean, you got Atashi Wayude, Will of the Wisp, Neon Sign, Metodome. I would say those ones are, so, there's so many solid ones, especially in the early half of that album. 
And his style and what he's becoming really starts to show in his uniqueness. And I think this is one of the reasons I love him is I love how he develops as an artist. And like you said, he's not just an artist. He's a creator as well. And you really start to see where he's going and what he's developing. And it's just one of the many reasons I have just fallen in love with this mu- all his music lately. And this is like one i i have to buy it it's fantastic yeah i would say bremen is really like the first place where you, you really get to see kenshi's style really show and and i to, before we go further on I, I would like to say kenshi is very experimental so i i would i usually hesitate to to say that he has a definitive style but definitely like the essence of the way that he works and how he does things definitely starts showing through with this album. It is it's pretty uh, much the the soul of what he tries to do his style. Yes, with. I would I yes. would want to say it that way. It's kind of started with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for yeah, for clarifying my thought there, Ken. But this this is a really good album. I really really enjoyed the first half of the album. I think it's really good and. You know, I I felt like the the back half of it was a little weak, but it's still an overall pretty solid album. Like Luna said, this is a good jumping off point if you really want to dig into them. This is, I wouldn't say modern day Kenshi, but you're getting pretty close to it at this point. And and like I said, there's some really standout songs on here. I think it's one of his best albums period. I, I think I even like this one a little bit more than the next one that we're going to talk about. But, you know, this is a solid album overall and definitely worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. You know, like like with the, the Hideo Kojima like comparison that I would make, this is MGS1. It is what the soul of what the series ends up and what his style ends up becoming. It was the, the blueprints to that style. And I guess to kind of relate it to you, it's kind of like, I want to say, Agumon. Because his style just goes and jumps forward yes. from this, just yes. to kind of to relate it to you. Great, <laughs> I love Agumon. Yes, yeah. So kind of, kind of like that because he could go either totally off of what he is known for and like warp digivolve or whatever, or he does it in styles which he kind of did over his <laughs> career, and we can kind of do see that. And this was the yes. first kind of step of that. And I, I do like I do like Bremen. Bremen Bremen was very interesting because I've talked to you about this, Gray, off the air, and I had the same feelings as you do. Where the first half of the album is a really, really strong showing of what his work ends up becoming. And the latter half, well, it's not as strong as the first. It's still pretty decent, but it doesn't hold a candle to what I think the first half of it. And like Willow Wiss, Flower Wall, Unbelievers. Uh, Sai Joe is one of the those standout hits of those songs that I just like absolutely just loved from his style and kind of was the blueprint to what his 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 thinking process was going to become if that makes any sense oh it makes complete sense because those are some of the ones that like stood out to me the most as well yeah it makes total sense yeah so he expressed that you know like with this particular album it is like a spirit and a soul because he thought of it as a journey and what he wanted to 
explore with this album and this was literally his infancy of what his style was going to become where he's just a wandering traveler at this point of what he wants to do with his style and it's 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 so so interesting it obviously it made number one on the oricon and it won excellency album for the 57 japan record awards one of many that he's going to do not just for his work but just the work that he's involved in and this was probably one of the bigger accolades that he started to get from his career and going on to you know after this while it was a slow year for him in 2016 it was a big year for him career wise as he did switch from universal sigma to sony music and he did release his first single with them loser slash number nine and we have some divisiveness on this release to say the least just a little bit just a little bit bit. (laughs) and in 2017 he released his sixth single orion and it was used for the popular anime sangatsu no lion and was used for the ending theme song his anime domination wouldn't stop there as his next single was peace sign and it was used as the opening theme song for the popular anime my hero academia which all all three of us are a fan of yeah so specifically for today for the recording i'm wearing my all might t-shirt with with a you know my hero academia with his quirk on it so representing (laughs) representing so his next release was a collaborated track which was called uchiage hanabi with the popular shibuya K artist Daoko and it was used for the popular anime movie Fireworks which you guys can watch if you're in the west on Netflix right now go and watch it it's, it's alright it does don't do some timey wimey stuff so just be aware of that and shortly after he released this track called Dune with Hatsune Miku and it was specifically for her birthday and it was her his return to form to Vocaloid and then Yonezu ended the year with this Sony signing with Haido Toao, and it was the collaboration that he did with Masaki Suda, which I know me and you, Gray, really like. And he, yes, deeply. <laughs> he released this album, Bootleg. And this is something special for the three of us because we started the show. Right around the time Bootleg was released. And we got to see his popularity just freaking rise. And because we were doing albums at that time. I don't know what we were thinking back then. But we were doing albums at that time. And it was just such an interesting thing to see happen right before our eyes with this. So I know it's been a while since we talked about it. But after hearing a lot of his songs and Yonezu's style now. How do we feel about Bootleg? Because we were all right about it. We did not know anything about him. The only thing that your claim to fame was you were talking about he he did he did my hero song. And that was the only thing that we had talking about it for weeks because we just did not know anything about this artist at the time. So I think back when I first heard Bootleg, I remember enjoying it, but I still didn't quite know what to think because it was something odd and and it was something I kind of forgot about you know I know it was on there for a while and we all thought it was a solid album now fast forward to you know Lemon and which we'll talk about later and now you know re-listening to it and re-listening to it as a whole 
I I freaking love it. This is probably my favorite album by him. If not, it's tied with something else we'll talk about. And I think this is a fantastic album. I mean, I started off, it started off with the first track I loved, like immediately. I loved Hien. And it's rare for me to like, like a song first off, although I loved Unbelievers on um, Bremen, but I thought with Bootleg, it held up from the first track to the last. It just, there were so many outstanding ones on here and not just like Peace Signer, Peace Sign, which I love my hero. And the funny thing is, is when I was re-listening to this, I kept thinking, oh, this sounds like anime. What anime is this from? And then I felt really dumb because I'm like, wait, this is my hero. And it's been a while since I've watched the early season. So I totally forgot he did a theme song for it. But Orion is fantastic. Shinrai, Fogbound, number nine. Uchi, Agare, Hanabi, Haido, Toao. I mean, there are just so many great ones on here. And even the ones that I initially didn't care for, I ended up going back and really enjoying and that's something for me that I don't do too often but there are ones like Loser Grew on Me and Adosu Grew on Me I'm st- you know so there are a few that I just kind of went back in and did that but I mean as a whole this is his probably his best album to be honest I mean I understand why it was number one back then and why it was on the chart for so long, especially re-listening to it. And I highly recommend Bootleg. If you don't start out with Bremen, start out with Bootleg. You will not be disappointed. I think there are tracks on this album for every everyone. You will find at least three or four tracks you will absolutely fall in love with. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I, I typically struggle with uh, as far as uh, Kenshi goes is, you know, I've, I've never really considered myself an artistic person, and, and Kenshi's very artistic, so it's always really difficult for me to enjoy things that are really artistic, and, and that's usually the struggle I tend to have with him. And so what happens is it usually... I grow to appreciate a lot of what he does, but it usually takes me a while to come around to it. So there's a lot of things that I'll hear for the first time and I don't like it. And I have to hear it a couple of times in order for me to figure out where he's coming from and what he's trying to achieve with the song. And for me, Bootleg, it's an album. I don't want to say it's all over the place, but, you know, I, I, I can very much just cherry pick the songs that I like. I, I didn't like Hien starting out. I didn't think that was a, a really strong start for the album. And it's it's one of the few albums that he has where I feel like he's more consistent throughout it, if that makes any sense. Because, you know, we talked about how I felt like, you know, the back half of Bremen was a little weaker. It's a lot harder to apply that to... Uh, bootleg. I feel like he's more consistent. There's the songs that I do like are kind of peppered throughout the the album. It's not just well. I like the first half of the album, and I, I struggled to get into the lap, the back half of the album. So for for me, it, it's a little bit more complicated. Uh, there are several songs that I did ultimately come to enjoy on num- on a, not number nine on bootleg. Uh, number nine is a song on bootleg, which we will talk about later. But there, there are several songs that I did like. Uh, just to name a couple, Shunrai was uh, one of the tracks that I t- 
thoroughly enjoyed, along with Nighthawks. I thought, felt like Nighthawks was a, a really, really good song and uh, definitely enjoyable. So it's, it's definitely interesting, and uh, I will say for his first Sony release, this is definitely a very interesting album. Um, but yeah, it, it's for me. It, it's it, it is it's consistent uh, because it's like it's peppered throughout the, the songs that I, I liked, as, as opposed to like back half or front half. But uh, there's some songs that we'll talk about that I kind of enjoy, and you know, probably if I after I hear them a few more times, I'll probably really like them. So I'm coming around to them still. But yeah, overall, this is this is a pretty pretty good album no yeah to continue on to your your solid thing it's um and how consistent the album was this is easily if i had to go back to my comparison this is Metal Gear solid three it's one of his best albums that he has done and not to say that there are weak parts about it i totally agree uh, uh understanding from your point that th- there are certain points that you'll cherry pick across and from what his style is and what you your personal taste is great. So I totally understand that. It's it this is a phenomenal album and I can't believe that I didn't really pay attention to it the first time around cuz we we kind of did not know how to feel about Kenji. And that's going to be a common theme up until Flamingo that we just did not know how to feel about him because it was just so different than what we thought about Japanese music or what we thought about the industry at the time. And I ended up really, really liking this. This is probably his best album to date, and th- th- I can't give it enough praises. And obviously, all of Japan did also, <laughs> because it debuted at number one, and it won best album for the 60th Japan Record Awards, and also won a bunch of awards for the like the Shop Awards also. It it won a bunch of accolades, and I can totally understand why. And this is where we're kind of reiterating from what of our our career as doing this podcast is. So his next shot to fame was Lemon, and at first we all three of us did not know how to feel about this song. We we were we all didn't know how to feel about this song. This song was amazing. It ended up being amazing and it wound us over. And Japan loved it. It sold over half a million physical copies and three million digital copies. And it won all the awards that it was nominated for, for both 2018 and 2019. (laughs) And then also during this time in 2018, he helped produce a cheer song title paprika and it was to be covered by children choral cor, chorus group furin and this song was originally planned to be used for the 2020 olympics but huh, huh, huh. oh what a simple time <laughs> and it was supposed to be taking place in tokyo but we all know what happened and he then ended the year with flamingo and teenage riot and i like to pick this just a little bit because Flamingo was very interesting for all three of us. And he Kenshi said that he did something very interesting with this with this track and he did a lot of ASMR like things where he did like purring and did like a lot of weird sounds to be 
used throughout the track and you can kind of hear it like after reading that sentiment i re-listened to flamingo and you can kind of hear it you can kind of understand and it's he influenced that song to be like what it's like to be drunk and you can if you watch the music video you can kind of tell that's what he was going for (laughs) and also during this time he made his television debut on the 69th Kohaku Uta Gakusen, which we all watched. And what was very interesting for him is he performed at his house in the homeland of Tokushima. And it was the first time that the prefecture was featured on the Kohaku, so that's really good. And not only that, Uchiage Hanabi was also featured on the song. And Paprika was also performed by Daoko and Furen, respectively. And in 2019... We talk about Uma Toshika and its beat side, Umito Yude, and it was used for Children of the Sea and all that lovely stuff. He also partnered with the actor Misaki Suda once again for his track, Machigai Sagashi, as a composer. And it was very interesting for those two releases because both of those were ranked 6th and 5th on the Billboard Japan's end of the year chart. And that one two punch helped him receive the special award alongside Suda for the 61st Japan Record Awards and his contributions towards Paprika also won the Grand Prix Awards which is the first time that like people or a group of that age won their award so Furin was I think they were like eight they were like young kids so they were they were the first young they were the youngest winner to receive that award so it's very interesting that he had his hands all throughout 2019 with this and at the tail end of 2019 he he partnered with the popular boy group arashi in which he was going to do the nhk's theme song for the coverage of the then 2020 summer olympics ha 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 and it was revealed on the 70th kohaku utagakusen at the tokyo stadium so it was very interesting to kind of talk about that because we'll be talking more about this or you heard us talk about this earlier in the week because of our episode because of what is on the Oricon there. So it's very interesting how Kenshi was such a pillar in the industry. And the last couple years is a decrement to that. And he summed up 2020 with his fifth album release, Stray Sheep. And it, inco- it include covers, self covers for both Machigai Sagashi and Paprika. So what did we think about Stray Sheep? It's 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 interesting in my opinion and we'll we'll get to talk about this because we got like maybe what four or five days to kinda listen with this album. So I love Stray Sheep. I'm just gonna say that. I was pleasantly surprised by it and I didn't pre order it because I was being it was one watching money with everything going on and two I was also really debating on my actual thoughts on it first. I wanted to listen to it because I liked, I loved Umatoshika, Lemon, Flamingo, Teenage Riot. You know, I love the tracks leading up to it, but I was still debating how would the other one sound. So I wasn't quite sure on what to think until I, I started listening to it and it is fantastic. Like, I love almost, I think I plussed every track on Apple Music, which is rare for me. And it also gave me a re-listening to a lot of the ones from 2018 that, you know, like Flamingo and Teenage Riot that I actually kind of put a little bit on the back burner. Like you said, Ken, we 
didn't really know what to think of those at first when you know, and make things of Kenshi. Like I felt like that with lemon and especially flamingo because I remember liking it, but at the same time it was really weird. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And I think when Uma Toshika came around, we were more accustomed to Kenshi. And I grew to enjoying his music way more. And this time around, like, Stray Sheep sold me completely. And I loved Kanden, which was released actually about a month ago. And we got to listen to through the Oricon. And then he recently released uh, Campanella, which I freaking love. And... I think the album as a whole is amazing, and I love. I actually really enjoyed the cover of Pap- uh, Paprika, and I liked the other version before because I thought it was cute with the kids with fooding. But I love his version because just hearing what he can do and imagining what he composed for this and writing it, I mean, it's amazing. His cover it is fantastic, and I love Machiga Sagashi, and I should include it in my runner-up songs. But this album is. I'm buying it. Let's put it that way. I, after listening to it, I have to have it. I cannot say enough about my feelings on this. And I know it's been only like five days, but that doesn't make a difference to me. I mean, this album sold me just like Bootleg did and, well, the second time around. And I can't decide what I like more if I like Bootleg or Stray Sheet more. I think they're both very solid and he's done a fantastic job. And I'm kind of curious what I think of it a month from now, too, because I know how my tastes, like, go from one thing to the next. But I still think next month I'm going to love it just as much. So I'm curious to hear everyone else's thoughts on this, because I know it's very new and just it's interesting how we went from really not knowing what to think of him to either really enjoying his music or getting accustomed to it. Yeah, so for me, I, I actually have a lot to say about Condon, but I really want to save it for our next discussion. But I, I will say for the overall, Stray Sheep, I don't know, this it's another difficult one for me because I really did wind up enjoying the first half of uh, the album. The first eight tracks is 15 tracks total. Once you get to track nine, uh, I, I I don't know. I struggled a little bit to, with it, but... Uh, overall, uh, I think th- of the albums that he's dropped, I think this has like the most songs on it that I actually do enjoy. So I guess this would be my favorite track, uh, favorite album overall. And I-, I will say his his version of Paprika is haunting and gorgeous. And I, I really, really love what he did with that. I, I feel like, I mean, I, I think the regular version's okay. I- it's, I mean, it's, I don't think I'd run out and buy that single, but... You know, it's it's an enjoyable song. If you heard it on the radio, you wouldn't turn it. But his version of Paprika is really, really good. It's done so well. It's very different than what the the kids did. And I think he took that in a very interesting direction. And I highly recommend, you know, if there's one song on there to listen to, it's definitely that one. Yeah, there's there's a couple other songs that I want to talk about specifically from Stray Sheep, but I'm tabling those a little bit. But like I said, the first half of that album I thought was pre- pretty damn good. And like I said, with Kenshi, his music tends, tends to have to grow on me a little bit because, again, he's very artistic and so... The back half of that album, I might have to listen a little bit more. Uh, Because a lot (laughs) of the first half of the album are songs that I had already heard. 
So, yeah, it, it takes time for his stuff to grow on me because, like I said, he's very artistic. I'm not an artistic person. So I'm like, uh, you know, you know, it, it's just, it takes me a while to appreciate what he's doing. But, yeah, it's still a good album. It's still a really good album. And it, I will say I'm glad uh, we were supposed to do this a week ago, but we had to kick it a week. And I'm really glad we did because we were able to listen to that. And mm-hmm. I, and actually one of the songs on, on Stray Sheep, came super close to being in my top five, like super, super close. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's a really good album and I think it's his best work so far. I I do. Yeah. So to kind of piggy off that, this is, this is going to be a very divisive album because it is full on Kenji. He, he, he did his work. He got his money from bootleg and he's like, at this point, I'm just going to do whatever I am go- want to do. And if you are if you like it, then great. If you don't like it, hey, you're going to come with me along for the ride. And that's how I feel how he approached this album. And like I said, to kind of do the Hideo Kojima thing, this is, this is Death Stranding. This is full on just his artistic style in full force. And if you guys aren't prepared for it, uh, then I don't know what to say <laughs> kind of thing. It's it's interesting, though, that you say up to the ninth song because the ninth song is his Machigai Sagashi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, he that, does that was a different, the turning point for me, though. Yeah, that was the turning point because, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I understand because it is it, – it's – Overall, if we were to do batting averages, this is probably one of the better songs that I did like to. I did like boot, Bootleg is probably the best for me. But batting average-wise, this was probably a little bit on the strong side as well. Because we got to group with this album too. We got to hear a lot of the songs in real time when it was released. As much as we complain about hearing Lemon for six months at a time, I would happily take that over the year and a half to almost bonker numbers times that we heard pretenders i would love to hear lemon one more time on the charts but i don't know about that (laughs) well that's you that's you that that is very me that's very me that is you that is you though but i don't know i i don't i don't pretenders is really souring on me but that's neither here i like (laughs) both of them but i I do love lemon and i'd love for it to come back because it would be amazing it's just such a treat you know and even though we come i i regret complaining about it before because i remember when it first came in the charts and i was like what is this and it didn't click with me until a couple probably a couple weeks of listening to it before it grew in me and i ended up really liking it so but i go back and forth because he like you said you know bootleg is up there it's fantastic as a whole and but straight sheep i i'm really going back and forth and what one i like the most i mean they both have such a solid track listing and there's so many interesting things i like he did with straight sheep especially like tracks like de la cote just because it's so interesting and it's just odd it, it's one of those odd ones that stuck out for me in the album compared to the rest yeah so i mean with that we kind of reached his career as of right now with stray sheep and then obviously with kite well you probably heard us talk about kite earlier in the week with our regular episode and i believe we all liked it right oh yeah it's it's fantastic it's fantastic oh yeah i totally agree yes yeah so it 
and this is one thing that you know we'll we're gonna talk about this with him and i know me and you gray are going to get into a little bit of odds here because of what his his styles are and yeah you know we'll talk about this you probably heard us talk about this on the regular episode but you know he's a really decent and amazing vocalist but his one-two punch to what he'll make him famous is his composition work and you can see that throughout his career and you'll hear it through both mine and yours gray's favorite songs here as we go on to the list here oh. his composition work is fan freaking tastic so so let me put it to you this way no matter what criticism i would ever have for kenshi Yonezu, He's the best composer coming out of Japan right now, in my humble opinion. Easily. Like, I, I don't think there's that many people that are even on his level. So, it's like, 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 like I said, like, usually it takes me a long time to come around to, to his, his music and me liking it. But I, I've always said, like, dude's a fantastic composer. His composition work is fantastic. Uh, a lot of his songs, I, I feel like, are really strong and have amazing composition work is um for me personally it's his hit and miss with his vocals is really like the big thing for me but yeah no and yeah. and we've we, we've talked about this yes several yes. times over we talked about this several times over both on the air and off the air about his vocal works and it's just it but we all three of us know that he's an amazing composer and oh, he's yeah. one of the best things out of there Oh, yeah, and, like I said, he's the best thing coming out of Japan. In, in my opinion, he is the best and, composer coming out of Japan. Easily. And remember, our talk a couple weeks ago about if who's going to be the person or group that makes their mark on the industry, all three of us said Kenshi because if his music career doesn't continue, he'll be a goddamn good composer. We, all three of us, know that for a fact. Well, also, of the, of the big artists right now who are really, really big, and I mean effing, big, effing big, uh, he's really the only one that's doing really, like, truly something that's unique, different, and stands out. Like, like he's really, you know, he's doing his own thing. And, yeah. you know, he's not, like, official Hige Dondism, you know. He's not doing by yeah. the numbers. Exactly. He's, he's doing he's, what he wants. Precisely. And, yeah. And... I love him for that. He does something unique that stands out, like you guys said, and it makes everyone remember who he is. And a big part of it, like, you know, reiterating is his compositions are fantastic. And that's what makes me remember him. Even if, like you said, Gray, with the vocal work, it really is hit or miss because not everyone will like that type of vocals. But the composition makes you, like, grow accustomed to it because there are several songs that I wasn't a fan of. But re-listening to them, the composition work was so good, I just kind of, like, got used to the vocals. And I just love how he comes up with so many unique tracks, you know, vocally and composition-wise. He just does stuff that other artists aren't willing to take the risk and do, but he does. Yeah, and like I said, at this point, he's just gonna do whatever he wants at this point. He He's already made such an impact to the industry already that he doesn't i don't hopefully i don't think he needs it but i don't think he needs the money he can just do what he wants and if 
like I said, if you like it, more for it. If you don't, then hey, I understand. Not my my full on style isn't gonna be for everyone. He probably understands that very very well. And as an artist, he he's the one that will be the next generation for evolutionizing his style. He's not gonna go back to the basics. He's always gonna try evolve his style. And that's one thing that I really like, and what's something that is very different and why we really wanted to do him because it was interesting to see his style just change beat after beat and just well for certain tracks might not be for us it could be for others and vice versa it's it's just so interesting to kind of see that and that's one thing that i liked doing with this podcast because we got to see that his style changed very rapidly over time from from bootleg to this to stray sheep it, it it's very different but we got to see that next step and it was it's so good to see honestly but with that you know it, let's go on to our honorable mentions before we go into our top fives here and i'll, I'll start off here there there's a couple things a lot of it is going to be from bremen from here it's going to be will-o-wisp and neon sign and metrochrome metrochrome is probably one of my favorite tracks on bremen to be perfectly freaking honest it was very very close to missing out neon sign was really really good so was will o wisp will o wisp has such an amazing composition that i just ended up really really liking after that we got vv from diorama it honestly vv was one of those songs that i actually did like on that album and that and the album was very interesting like i said it was it's not a good album to start on, but to see his infancy and VV was one of those. And lastly would be Dune from from Bootleg and his return to form and how he kind of grew from just being a Vocaloid composer to what he is now. You got to see that evolutionary step of Vocaloid and that was something that I just ended up really, really liking. But with that, let's continue on to your honorable mentions, Gray. Yes, so uh, I, I kind of alluded to a couple of my honorable mentions earlier, and I just wanted to take a minute to uh, talk about them real quick. Uh, so my first honorable mention will be Condon because when we were listening to it on the regular show and, and all that stuff, like I was really hard on the song. I didn't know how I would feel about it. I wasn't like when I first heard it, I outright hated the song, but I just I didn't know what to do with it. I, I had a very very mixed emotion for this song and so it took me a while but once Stray Sheep came out uh, the day that I listened to it I was exercising I actually got to listen to the song because when I when I prepped for the show I watched the music video and the music video really threw me I didn't get a chance to actually focus on the music and, and do anything like that but once I sat down and listened while I was walking but once I focused on the song itself and listened to it, I realized this is actually a jazz song. It, it, you, most people I don't think would recognize it as being a jazz song, but it's very, very much a jazz song. It's got a jazz bass line. It's got a jazz drum line. Uh, the trumpets, obviously. Uh, the thing that threw me was the electronics in it because it's typically not a jazz instrument that you hear. And there's new wave jazz, which I haven't listened to a ton of, so I don't know too much about it. But this is very, very much a jazz song. And once I heard Put all the pieces together i actually developed a, a huge appreciation for the song and i was able to really enjoy it a lot more and that really goes back to me and kenshi and, and the relationship i have with him 
is is sometimes it like I said it just takes me a while to come around because sometimes he's trying to do something with a song that is not clicking for me and I know he's trying to do something and until I figure it out like like I I really have mixed emotions about a lot of his music so Condon is is one again like case in point just like one of these songs that I was like I don't know what you're doing man but I I want to like it what why don't and then I heard it and I was I'm like cool this is a really really good song I really really enjoy it. Uh, another track that's on Straight Sheet that I really, really loved, it was really close to being in my top five, was Placebo. I, I kept calling it Placebo because I don't know how to read. But Placebo is a lot, a lot of fun. It is a very fun track, very upbeat, very much more my style of music, I guess is the best way to put it. And, and I really wasn't expecting it. It came on at number four, and I was like, whoa, what is this song? This is great. Because I, I was used to Kinshi's thing. I don't know why. I just wasn't expecting a fun, upbeat song, and that one was. It, that one was a fun, upbeat song. And I thoroughly and thoroughly enjoyed that one. It was such a great, great song. And then, uh, like I said earlier, uh, one, one more song I want to talk about real quick is the song Flower Wall, which is on his Bremen album. His Bremen album is, like I said, the first half is really, really good. And this actually was in my top five up until eight minutes before we went live. And I, I had a change of heart because I, I have just like a couple of nitpicks about the song. But overall, I think it's a fantastic song. And I still would recommend people going out and listening to it. It is a really, really good song. I feel it's a little long in the tooth. But it's a very, very minor complaint. It's a great, great song. Fantastic. And in, in my opinion, outside of the other track I'm going to talk about, is one of the big highlights of Bremen for me was Flower Wall. I really, really enjoyed that. So I actually have, I would have way more honorable mentions, to be honest. There were so many great songs from Kenshi. And it's really hard to make a list of just honorable mentions because I could name off like a lot of the ones Ken had on Bremen were some of mine like uh, Metrochrome was one of my favorite on Bremen it's fantastic and Will-O-Wisp was amazing I love that one too so one of the ones I have on Bremen that no one mentioned was Atashi wa Yure I thought that was another standout one that he did just with the composition work on it and Diorama was Vivi and that was the one that stood out to me it was my favorite of Diorama. However, in general, it just stood out compared to a lot of his other ones. It was very unique and it just caught me. Um, for Stray Sheep, I did put Teenage Riot, even though it was part of a single. And Yasashihito from Stray Sheep. And Yasashihito is a solid ballad. And a lot of Kenji's music is pretty chill for the most part. But, like, Yasashihito was actually a freaking ballad, and I loved it. It shows off his vocal work, and it just, there was just something about it that I loved, and it just brought me into it, and I just cannot say enough about it. And I also want to add Delacote. I didn't have it on my list, but the song is so odd and so interesting, and his voice in it, it takes, like, a cuter vibe to it, which is I found interesting out of all the songs on the Stray Sheep I was like why is this on here this is really weird and I didn't like it at first and it grew on me to the point I loved it and just kind of the chorus is super catchy the la 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 it was 
I just loved it. I, I cannot say enough about how much I enjoyed that one. But he just has so many great ones that I could I could keep going on with my honorable mentions. But I think I'm going to leave it at that just because they were he has so many fantastic tracks. So continuing on to number fives of our top fives here. And I'm going to start with a very controversial one I already know because I pick Loser by Bootleg. And this was more of a troll pick for me because the the vocal works it honestly it's it's all right, but I like it for the dance beat nature that this song has for the composition because basically if you have no freaking care in the world and you're just gonna run up dancing, this is one of the perfect songs to do and it started to do that nature that he started to do later on with his career. And every time I hear this song, I don't really pay attention to the lyrics per se. I'm just shaking what every motion I have to the song, like a wacky wave inflatable arm tube man kind of guy. So, but yeah, loser. It's a very interesting song. I, uh, I, I did struggle with this one. Uh, I would be lying if I didn't say anything less than that. But it, it's a very interesting song. The the composition of it is done really well. I will say that. And, and my largest criticism with the song is the vocals. I, I just, it's it's the singing style that he chose for the song. It, it's it's not my favorite. But getting past that and onto the song itself, the composition of it is really good. And Ken is completely right. This is a very very fun dance number, and I think it serves as that is pretty good. Uh, it, it's definitely. Something that, you know, if you want to, like, turn your mind off to and just kind of shake your booty and, and kind of do that thing, you, you definitely can. And um, it, it's in that it works well. Like I said, I, my biggest hang-up was the vocal work for the song. But, you know, it's still really good. It's still uh, a pretty solid song. So the first time I heard Loser, I did not hit the plus sign on Apple Music, to be honest. And I don't remember what I thought of it, the initial listing in 2017. But when I re-listened to it, I'm like, eh. I don't care for this, and I'll, I'll just let it be. And then I re-listen to Bootleg again, and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I like that. I like that upbeat dance beat. You know how it starts off. I just don't know about his vocal works, and I still didn't hit the plus sign. Then the third time around, listen to it again, and I'm like, you know, the song's really grown on me. I like the dance beat, and even though his his vocals are hit or miss in this, and I think for me, I just got accustomed to it. And Acre, I mean, I'm like, you know, I actually like this. So after that, I incorporated in my bootleg listening. And it, it's one that you either love it yet or you hate it. I mean, you, it's hard to find middle ground on it because a lot of people are turned off by the vocals, which I was at first. But then I really listened to that composition and it just grew on me to the point. I'm like, okay, I can get down with this. I like it. So I'm glad you picked it because it also made me go back and really like dissect Loser and kind of just pick out parts of it. And that made me really like it even more. So still not a favorite of mine, but I, I'm, I, I enjoy it. And I think it's a, a good part of bootleg. And continuing on to your number five. And then actually it's a kind of double because it's also your number five, Luna. So great. Let's let's hear from your side first and then we'll start with, uh, we'll pick up with Luna and then I'll chime in at the end here. So go right ahead. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so for me, my number five pick is, 
Let me put it to you this way. Had I watched the music video first, it wouldn't be in my top five <laughs> because, whoa, that music video is nightmare fuel. It is nightmare fuel on high octane. I swear to God. Uh, I never want to see that music video ever, ever again in my life. It is horrifying. So, but it is his song, uh, Unbelievers, which is the very, very first track on Bremen. And I felt like this song, one, was a great, great way to start off the, tr the, the album. I felt like it, it does a really good job. It really hits the note. You, you know, like I said, uh, songs like, it, like his vocal work is kind of hit and miss with me. But I really felt like in this particular song and all the songs that are on my list, I, I really, really like his vocals. I think he sings them in a way that really, really works and complements the music and the melody really well. And, you know, I really think, you know, this is just like the best example of that in, in, in a way. Because, you know, it's a really, really good song. It, it's it got this really good hook. And it, it's not quite upbeat, but it goes at like a pretty good clip. And, I, I mean, the werewolf creature in the music video is dancing to it. So you can dance to the song. I don't know if I would or not. Actually, I think I would. I think I would dance to the song. But it's a very, very interesting song, and it, it has a very interesting tone to it as well. And uh, it's one of those songs, really, you need to hear it in order to really fully appreciate it. But it's definitely just a really, really good song, and just a it's pretty, pretty fun, too. So yeah, taking what Gray said is this was the first song I heard off Bremen, of course, this is number the first track on there. And this made me fall in love immediately. And I think it was that it was the composition, it was very upbeat. I did actually n I did not watch the music video until before the show we were talking and Gray mentioned it's nightmare fuel and I'm like, ooh, I like horror. So let's check this out and I'm like, oh, it is like you're on acid or tripping some hardballs right there. Yes. <laughs> yes. The drugs. Yes. That's what it's really like. And then it just how the camera angle and it, it's an interesting, you know, I don't know who the cinematographer is, but they did a very good job at showcasing that. And then when this giant furry comes in, I'm like, you're going to use a really creepy costume that look, it's like crappy, but not crappy because of the facial expressions. And I just kept thinking, man, if someone really is tripping while they're watching this, they will have like the worst, they will have a very, very bad trip because you will have nightmares. And I could just imagine that. But I'm with unbelievers, like the, besides the music video, you know, the song is still a favorite of mine and his vocal work on it, it shows off how good his vocals are and how they can match so well with the composition. And I really like the beats in between the vocals. There was just something interesting about that composition and musical piece. And I feel like this is one of those ones that shows his genius as well. And that is being a creator, not just an artist, a creator. He, he just does so much with these. And I love it when he takes this type of, um, does this type of thing. And not only did he emphasize this in the song and go with uh, great creativity and composition, like the music video for it is also very creative. And I love that about him and it shows he's more than just an artist who can create genius music, but he can also do stuff with the videos that encompass that track too. And one another reasons I just I just fall in love with him and I will say with my number five can be switched with my number four 
just because it really depends on my mood on what I'm listening to, but Unbelievers is fantastic, and I I highly recommend everyone checking this one out. And watch the video, just don't watch it in the dark if you don't like horror. Yeah, well, speaking of tripping, I mean, if I was tripping on this thing and I watched the music video, I think I would see the claw marks come out of the screen and into my face. Uh, or, or you would see that thing jump out of the TV and chase you around. I think if, like, let's just say this much. So if you you guys know this about me, that I hate inanimate objects. I have, I have a rational fear of inanimate objects coming to life. And I, if I saw that just lying on the road and it coming to life and doing what it was doing in the music video, I think I would hightail it out of here or grab a flamethrower and burn that sucker down. <laughs> well, I mean, if but, you were in your car, you would just hit it with your car and keep going. Run yeah. it over. <laughs> Yeah, just run it over. But if I was like walking wherever wherever they were shooting that, and I saw that, I'd be noping out of there so hard. <laughs> I'd be taking a video, thinking, "Oh my god, I, dude, that I is so cool." <laughs> this is how I die. Well, I, the the funny thing is for me is I am like, "Oh, that's such a costume," but I would be like, "I want to see the person under it." <laughs> just just out of curiosity, you know, because you kind of wonder who's who's under that costume. But I, I think the video fits the track. And I didn't realize that unbelievers, you know, you think about it, you see something like that. Are you going to believe it's real or do you think you're on drugs? So it kind of made me think that like, hmm, good, good way to do the video if you have a title like that. So like another track that I ended up really liking that I'll mention on later. This this track, Unbelievers, just begs you to just drop everything and just go out and just kind of explore. And it kind of just begs that with the composition, that style that they have for this track. It's one of the things that I ended up really, really liking for this song. But it, it was really, really good. And one of the songs that I did like from Bremen, it was, and it's like what you said, Gray, it's a great way to have an introduction to the mainstream of what Yunezu Kenshi is with this track. I agree. I mean, it's a great way to start off listening to him. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So with that, let's continue on to our number fours here, and I will start off with Aine Kudenaine on his album Yankee. And honestly, this is probably one of the more slower songs that I ended up really, really liking from him. Him and my number, this and my number three, anyway. This has such a very simple composition that if you were listening, uh, if you know how to play this song you can grab it and play it on the acoustic guitar this will probably be the wonder wall for japanese people <laughs> if they learn how to play this song it's kind of relaxing and kind of leaves you at that moment and you just get lost with it and that's one thing that i ended up really really liking is that you can just get lost with the composition and just how he pours his heart and soul into each track and this is one of the perfect examples that he does with his style yeah, this is actually one of the songs uh, when I first listened to Yankee, I, I completely missed and uh, I, I'm glad I was able to put it on your list, Ken, because I was able to go back and find it and really enjoying it. it it's uh, it's definitely a slower song. It's more of a laid back feel. Can she, he doesn't have too many songs in this style. He's got a couple, but they're few and far between. And Ken's right. It has a very simple guitar work in it but it, it works really well for what he's doing and um it really builds to this wonderful 
crescendo for the chorus and uh the chorus i I think is kind of the heart and soul for this song is really really nicely done and it is it is one of his better slow tracks i i genuinely think and one of the definitely one of the gems in yankee i I do think like that that is a, a a gem and a great one so this was another one on Bremen I thought was absolutely gorgeous. And like you said, the comp- uh, Ken, the composition is just so simple and so nice. And it's just one of those slower tracks that makes you stop and think and enjoy it. And that's how I felt about it. I think I like the simplicity of it. And I enjoy a lot of his slower songs, but I think this was one of his better ones. And that was on Yankee, not Bremen. Wasn't it? Yeah, it's on Yankee. Did I say Bremen by accident? No, I did. Oh, okay. But yeah, it was on Yankee. No no worries. So Yeah, yeah, no worries. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god, I'm like <laughs> No, no, it's 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 really good and I I'm I I fall in love with the song every single time and it just shows a different side to him that we don't really get to see all too often. It it does, and that's what I think it made me draw me to it, because I like Yankee was really hit or miss for me, but this was one of the songs I greatly enjoyed off of it because of how it was, like you said, it's something he doesn't show the side of him and it was just absolutely beautiful. And I like it when he does stuff like this, which is not often, but it just, it's just this nice relaxing song. And it really does make you stop, think and enjoy, which is how music should be, how it should be felt and i'm sure that's what he was going for he wanted people to stop and enjoy it enjoy the simplicity enjoy the composition of it you know and that's why i like that he puts out tracks that make you stand out and think something unique but yeah with that let's continue on to your number four gray yeah so uh for my number four i I picked the other a side to your five (laughs) (laughs) yes uh when loser was dropped it was a double a side so it was loser and number nine which is very very interesting mostly because it's the 10th track on the album i don't know what they were thinking when they were numbering the album i was like why didn't they put this at number nine it makes sense it's in the title but uh well i mean because they'll be like what's your favorite song on the on on bootleg number nine number nine oh so what what track is that number Number nine nine. (laughs) (laughs) i think they were trying to avoid that (laughs) maybe 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 so this is a very interesting song and and a very interesting song to pair with loser because uh, they're both upbeat songs in a way, way more upbeat. One's kind of upbeat, but they they contrast a lot differently. But I really, really fell in love with Number Nine. It originally wasn't on my top five, and it kind of just wormed its way into my top five because it's just it just has a, a really good beat, really good melody. I think the vocal work on it's done really, really well, and uh, it, it's just one of those songs that I couldn't really escape from uh you know um i'd be doing some other work on this particular episode and i'd be listening to a song i was like you know what i want to go back and hear number nine and so it really just became like one of these uh songs that i really just grew to love and it just wound up being just really high on my list and i i really really enjoyed it i felt like one of his best songs and like i said to compare the pair that with 
loser it's a very interesting thing that he did there oh i agree it was an interesting pairing because you got loser which is is more of an upbeat way more upbeat song with especially how it opens and the vocal work is completely different than number nine and i love the vocal work of number nine and although it is upbeat it isn't as upbeat as loser but i think his vocal work pairs very well with the melody composition and it just it was just something like a nice song and i love number nine better than loser just because for me it fits more with him i think like loser like we talked about the vocal work throws me off well number nine his vocal work is perfect and it, it it just matches and it was it was also one of my other favorite songs in bootleg and i would have had it as an honorable mention but i knew we were going to talk about it so it was just one of those nice tracks that made me remember it too just because of the just because of the unique the the composition with it and i like a lot of his upbeat songs but i wouldn't even i'm trying to think of how to say how upbeat it is it just feels like it's more like the yeah, how do it, you say it because it is semi-upbeat yeah it, it is upbeat but it's a little different it goes yeah. like up and down yes. because some of it's slower and then it goes up but then it goes down and i think that's one of the things i like because he does very well with that up and down beat so when he just does like straight upbeat like loser i feel like sometimes it throws it off a little bit but with something that he can do the it goes upbeat like chorus and then it drops and it goes up and it drops and I like it when he does stuff like that just because you can see the contrast and what he's doing with it and how he just makes everything flow together yeah so like like I said earlier I think what he does with it he doesn't do double a sides all too often but when he does he likes to do the yin and yang thing and he did do that for for number nine and loser because loser is such a totally different upbeat style than what number nine was in both composition and vocal wise and you can kind of tell that like number nine is a very it's a it's it's a really great track and still upbeat but not to the level that that loser is and vice versa it's upbeat but not it doesn't need to crank it to 11 like it does occasionally and that that will probably be my criticism of loser but number nine doesn't do that at all it has this nice it goes up and down and it finds its rhythm of what it needs to be. And that that's one of the things that I really did really ended up liking about this track. But yeah, let's continue on to your number four, Luna. So my number four is Umatoshika, which came out last year. And this is one when I first heard it last year, I remember I kind of didn't know what to think and I ended up liking it, but it still didn't make my top top five at the end of the year. And I wish if I would have listened to it more and gave it more of a chance. And I feel like now was the perfect time to do that. And it made me, like, fall in love with it. And I think it the thing that did it was the chorus. As that chorus really grips me every time I hear it. Because it starts off kind of slow with the guitar beat. You know, you just hear the straight guitar in there, you know, very slowly. And then when it gets to that chorus, you hear him full out belt out the lyrics. And not only that, you can feel all the emotion in it and power that he puts into that chorus and it makes you remember it. And that's the thing I love about Umatoshika is it does that throughout the song where after the chorus is over, it just goes to that simplistic composition with the guitar. Pretty, you know, you know what you mainly hear. And then it jumps to the chorus and he puts everything into it. And that for me just 
I just love it. And it stood out as a very unique track. And I think this is one of his very solid singles. And I don't know why. I still am kicking myself for not giving it more thought last year and putting it on my top five. Because it should have been. But I think it's also one you have to be in the mood for. Like I said, Kenshi is kind of a a certain taste of music. And I feel like for me, I have to be in that style mode. In that unique mode, so I'm thinking it just kind of caught me off guard, but it's just a solid one, and I wish if it would have jumped up like some of his other tracks did, because it deserved a lot more recognition and time in the charts than it got. Oh, no, yeah. I'm, I'm honestly so happy that you put this on your list, because it would have been on my list really high, but I, I wanted to give the other songs that that I ended up really liking a, a better chance. And unfortunately, when you guys first talked about this song, I wasn't able to be on that episode. But the second time, I I really love this track. And you're completely right. When it reaches that, that chorus, Luna, it just shows Kenji's wonderment and how much emotion that he puts into these, this song. And just every little thing, I ended up really liking. It It was my runner-up for, for last year. And honestly, just just how everything was was just so amazing. Yeah, so, uh, you know, one of the things that I criticize is his vocal work. And, and I feel like in the right song, like, he can be a very competent vocalist. And I really think it really shines through in this song. Because, uh, I mean, his vocal work in the chorus of the song is really just it shines it's done so so well and the build up to the chorus it just has this you know like luna said you know there's this simple guitar that plays through the verses but you know there's this epic build up to the to the chorus and it just crescendos into this into this wonderful thing and he does have one song that i think does something kind of similar that is slightly better but still, uh, Uma Tashika is absolutely fantastic. And I remember when it first came out, I think I was kind of lukewarm on it too. And, you know, I've kind of come around to it a little bit and, you know, realized, you know, it, it's a really good song. And I kept getting it mixed up with the, his Spirit of the Sea song, so which is, which is my fault. There are two radically different songs. I don't know why I kept getting those two mixed up. So, uh, but this song is absolutely fantastic, uh, even if the artwork for that album is a little creepy. But it's still really, really good, and uh, it is definitely, definitely worth talking about again. So with that, let's continue on to my number three, and it is going to be Odeon or Orion, uh, just depending on how you're going to say it. <laughs> uh, but Odeon, for me, for me, is it's such an interesting track because it has that sense of wonderment that is embedded to the song that just... You want to pick up and just go. No matter what fate has in store for you, it, it leads to that, like, you're just marching and you're just going to continue and you're just going to journey. And you're not going to have that care in the world for whatever whatever happens, happens kind of thing. And I feel that very, very much with this song. Everything to to its composition where it just the light the the light little dings that it adds to the song if you listen to it is simply amazing and it just entices me more to listen to this song 
and just go and do something whether just walk or just kind of go to the ocean and just walk around the beach and something something so simple that it certain songs only do that and this was one of them Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a very interesting song, but I I will disagree with you, Ken, in one aspect uh, of what you had to say, in that the song inspired you to get up and go and move. And and honestly, I felt like this song for me did rather the opposite. Uh, I think it really captured the idea of staring at a starry sky and just, you know, sitting down and taking a moment to take it all in. Uh, because you know, you know, the song's named Orion, and, and uh, my my best guess is it's an homage to like Orion's Belt and the Stars, and uh, you know, I, I can't remember the music video off the top of my head, but I, I vaguely remember him looking at the stars at one point, and I I really think that the song really just invites you to sit down and take it all in, you know, uh, as mm-hmm. a person would do when they're uh, stargazing, and. Uh, you know, you, you hear that in the composition work, uh, you know, it's a little bit slower, it's a little bit more delicate, and his vocal work in this song is, is done really, really well, and uh, definitely, you know, he, he, you know he's, he has a very good way of how he handles the, the chorus, and, you, you know, it's uh, definitely a well-put-together song. Yeah, no, like to, to I think you're right with the stargazing and just taking it all in. I just for for me, you know, like you do with like Inuyasha, like one of their songs. They're just well, they're looking up into the sky while in like a cart or like in a car. It's kind of like that that you just don't know where to go and you're just lost in that just wonderment kind of thing. Yeah, I can see and just that. taking it all, yeah, taking it all that. in kind of thing. So that that that's from from my point of view, just going out and do something, and just taking it all in for every little bit though and i i saw it both ways that's kind of how when i first listened to it i pictured like orion as just like you said with the inuyasha it pretty much got my point is sitting out there and i guess you could just say watching the vast sky and just thinking about every you know just watching everything that goes on and thinking about everything that's going on in space and around the world and it does make you get up and do something because of the wonderment, the wonderlust, and just makes you feel like there's there's so much to do, and you're just kind of you know you're you're going everywhere with it. And I feel like the sky, because it's so wide and vast, just gives you that feeling, and it just it's just such a beautiful track and I can see it both as like stargazing and also wanting to get up and do something like walking along the beach, you know, enjoying a nice summer night or winter night or just getting up, climbing a mountain. It just makes you like feel like doing something and, and just exploring. And I I just love it. And now that you said the Inuyasha and then just all staring up the stars, now I can see that song as an ending theme. Maybe they'll do that in Yasha, Yasha Hime. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but, so it, it was used for anything. So that's, that, 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 that was like, I, that's where I was thinking of that, that lasting impression of just you going out and doing something because it, it kind of leaves that of, hey, we're at the end kind of thing. Just go out and do it something. Do, it does. And I think it's just how it starts off where it sounds, you know, where it's, I wouldn't say theatrical, but just how the instrument, you know, the composition sounds. It just has this feeling of it makes you want to go somewhere. It just, like, pushes you in a certain direction. 
And then when you hear the chorus of it, it really makes you, you know, it fills you with this like bewilderment, wonderment, you know, or wonderlust. Um, and just kind of, I don't know, like makes you want to explore. Like if I were listening, I just want to look at the space and be like, oh, I wonder if there's a spaceship up there exploring. You know, I want to do that. It just gives that feeling to you. And I feel like it gives you some energy and growth because I was listening to a lot of these while at work and there were certain tracks that actually pushed me to want to do more. And this was one of them. It actually pushed me like, well, I really didn't want to do this because this is a difficult task. But this is one of the songs that actually pushed me like, oh, I can handle this. I got this. And it just gives you this push forward and makes you feel like you can do anything. No, definitely. It's, it's it's just amazing. Like, honestly, all th- my top three songs can be interspaced with with each other because just I really ended up really liking all three songs. And just as of right now, Oriana or Orion just ended up being the spot it was at number three. But I regret not putting it on my list, but it was in my. It was an honorable mention because I could intertwine this with my four and five as well. And that was the problem I had because it's so good, but I was in the mood for the other two. But I'm glad you picked Oriana or Orion because it just, it's an amazing one. And I'm so happy to get to talk about it. Most definite. But yeah, with that, let's continue on to your number three, Gray. Yeah, so uh, for my number three, I went with um, what was my favorite track off of Yankee, and it was uh, Hana Ni Arashi. This is very much uh, an anime-style song. I think that's why it drove me to it. It, it really stood out in that track, uh, in that album for me. It just really had this fun little melody to it, and the uh, guitar work in it was really good. I liked his vocals in it. It is a little bit on the simpler side, uh, you, you know, uh, Kenshi's not doing anything too crazy in this song. He's not as experimental as, as he can be at times. Uh, this is a very straightforward track, and uh, I think that's to its betterment. I think sometimes we get caught up in this idea that just because it's complex and awesome, it's great. Like mm, Sometimes you can overcomplicate good things, and I, I think there's a, an appreciation and simplicity, and I think this song really captures it well and it's just a fun little fun little song that you can listen to and I, I just really wound up loving and enjoying the song so this was another one that i thought was very well done off yankee and i know yankee was an album that was it, it was good but it just you know, there were very few st- songs that super stood out to me this was one of them and it was a very upbeat one and it reminded me more of a rockish song with the guitar use And how he utilized that in a composition. And I like that because it gave a different feel than some of his other ones. And it was just a really fun track. And I could see it being used as an anime as well. It just has that upbeat feel. And it kind of makes you feel like it'd be a good opening. But it was, you know, it's another one that's a good introduction to Kenshi as it doesn't it doesn't overdo his vocals. It's a good like mainstream stream ish track where it's on that borderline of, you know, you're just getting to know him. And especially if you don't, you know, like tracks like loser or too much with their vocal work, this is a more concise and how he does his vocals and more of a rockish tune. So I feel like this one is more for people who aren't used to his style of music. And, and I feel like everyone can enjoy this. Oh yeah, most definitely, especially with the guitar work. If you guys don't know, 
who's the guitarist for this track? It is his old friend, Nakashima Hiroshi. So it's good that, you know, we actually get to kind of hear what his old band used to sound like. If it was something similar to the song, I would think. Because he ain't doing something really out of the norm for him and just going out there. This is fairly by the books. Yeah, that, and that, that was one of the things that really drove me to it, just because of the nature of who we're talking about. But uh, that, that's cool. I had no idea that that is. And, man, it really makes me hate that he deleted all that work, man. Like, that sucks. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Exactly, because I'm, I'm happy that you put this on here because this was one of my favorite songs off this album, too. And the the reason why is because he ain't trying too much. He isn't really going out. It's a very, very good track to slowly introduce the masses to. Because he, he ain't going off his usual style. This is a very rock-heavy composition by his great friend that he left off. And it just makes me want to hear more by by songs that he was involved with him, with, with Kenshi with. Because this was such an amazing compos- composed track. It just makes you and go out there and just, just go all out kind of thing. And that's oh. the feeling that I have with this song. Oh, I completely agree. And hearing it, and I didn't realize that was the guitarist either, and it makes me want to hear more of his old work. Because this was fantastic, and I just love the guitar work in it. So, uh, you know, everything you said, just maybe one day he'll put it back up. Here's to yeah. crossing our fingers. Yeah. So like he was he was the guitarist for most of this this album. I'm just gonna add that because you know he was part of um, Santa Maria and Madhead Love because of that combination. But it's good that he got to involve his good friend to his to pretty much what was the the beginning of his career. So that's so good, especially because the album did very well. This uh, Yankee did so well. So I'm happy that you put this on here because, like I said, I get to talk about a song that, unfortunately, was one of the better gems in Yankee. And not to diss on Yankee all too much, but it was one of those gems in Yankee that I absolutely freaking loved. Yeah, um, for me personally, like when I heard this song, like it really stood out uh, from the pack because I, I like... Like I said, like, I felt like in a lot of ways, like, Yankee's just, like, he's trying to figure himself out. And it, it works for the most part. But this song, like, is just, like, it's totally different from a lot of the rest of the album. And it really mm. just stood out to me. And it really oh, grabbed yeah. me uh, with its composition. And I was like, you know, this is a, this is really good. And like I said, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's just a good, mm. solid mm. number. And... Like, like I said earlier, like sometimes you can overcomplicate a song, and, and I think you know, and, and a lot of people like to use you know something simple as like a dig or, or anything like that. I'm like you know, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means it's simple, and I think like if it's done right, it can be re- done really well. And I think this song does that. I, you know, you, you know, it's not doing anything too flashy or fancy, but he really hits the notes the way that he needs to hit them, and it works really well. Oh yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. But, yeah, with that, let's continue on to your number three, Luna. And actually, we'll kind of relay this because this is my number two. So, let's, um, we'll hear both your and my opinions, and then you'll just chime in at the end there, I guess, Gray. So, go right ahead with your number three, Luna. So, my number three is Shun- Shun- Shunrai. 
And this is from Bootleg. So I will say this is probably my favorite song on Bootleg. I absolutely love the beat, like the composition and how it starts off. It is just a such a fun song. It is super catchy. And to me, whenever I hear it, I actually start dancing to it just because it has this this beat that really kind of gets you in this good mood. And I personally like how he does the verses because how he he pretty much tries to match the pace of the beat and he sings very fast and very quickly. And I like how it flows really well and it flows straight into the chorus, which is also has a great melody and is catchy and how the song paces itself throughout it. I absolutely love it. And it's just something about it that just mesmerized me and caught it, caught me. And I've had it stuck in my head for the past several weeks. And I just kept listening to it on repeat just because I get that, that part stuck, you know, the verse is stuck in my head and I cannot talk or sing that fast. Believe me, I've tried. And even with the chorus, just how he utilizes the lyrics and switches it, it just, something about it just gets stuck in your head. And I just cannot incorporate how much I enjoy this one and I would just play this at a dance party because it's such a fun track and it's just so easy on the ears and it also is unique composition wise just because of how he can how he moves everything along with vocals and the melody so I'm trying to think of how to describe it because of it I haven't heard anything like this it's it's interesting so i'll just pick it up from you for this this is my number two track and it 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 embeds that's that that whole majesty of what kenshi can do and draw in its listeners and keep them listening it's it's something that's really really good and it just kind of keeps you in and the 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 whole thing of the dancing thing i can do see myself doing the little shuffle that he kind of does throughout the little the music video just kind of swaying back and forth because it just kind of entices you to do that that's what i keep doing every time i hear it i start swaying and when i'm in the car you just see me bopping that's all you see is me bopping up and down and swaying at the same time because i'm driving but it gets you that you know in the motions yeah, so for me personally, uh, this is one of the few songs that I, I kind of had a small struggle with. I wasn't a huge fan of his vocal stylings for this song, but it's a very, very minor nitpick at the end of the day. And this is still a really, really good song. I think the the, the part to me that really stands out is the bass line. Uh, that bass line is a straight fire. The uh, I love the percussion. That the the percussion really really drives this song forward and in music they, you know they always describe the the drums or the percussion as being like the engine of the song and sometimes like you can really really hear it sometimes you can't but this song you can definitely hear it and it really moves the song forward and in a really fun way this is definitely a song that will get you up and dancing and moving around and it is uh it's got a really really good bridge too which you know bridges never get love i don't know why but the bridge in this song is really really done really fantastic and even though oh yeah even though i did call out the vocals for not liking it i I did really really enjoy his vocals in the bridge so it's a really good song overall like i said i have a i have a nitpick but it's not a big deal it's definitely not a deal breaker and this is definitely a song worth checking out and listening to most definitely 
But yeah, with that, let's continue on to your number two there, Gray. Uh, yeah, so um, my number two, I, I think everyone probably saw coming a mile away. It is Hai Roto Ao featuring Masaki Suda. This song is absolutely fantastic. And this is my favorite ballad that Kenshi does. I think, I think this is a stunning and beautiful song from start to finish. Kenshi's vocal work in this is absolutely fantastic. I like he has a very he sings the first verse in a very gentle and soft-spoken way and then he just belts it for the chorus and it works. It works really well. It builds up to this wonderful crescendo and goes into the into the chorus. And then Masaki Suda being the beast that he is just follows it up and it is so good. Like those two are really a match made in heaven and they really work well together we've seen them work together a couple of times i hope this is uh, a sign of things to come i think it would be cool if they did a collaboration album together i don't know if that'll happen or not but i think they work amazingly well together and i would love to see more works done by them because this song is so so good and like like i said you know the thing with kenshi i think he's really really good by himself i think he's 20 times better when he's working with people but uh yes this this song is absolutely fantastic i absolutely love it and uh, you know th this was um the highlight of well it wasn't the highlight of bootleg for me because my number one's also in bootleg but you know artistically and visionarily i think this is probably his best song still and you know the, the the my number one song is more of a guilty pleasure than anything else but still this is a fantastic song i absolutely love it and i just recommend it from here to the high heavens how awesome this song is so this was another one for me that i i wanted to put on my honorable mentions is everything you said about Haido to Ao. I mean, it is an amazing ballad and both of them just how it so starts off so soft and so simplistic and then when Kenshi just belts out, you know, with the the chorus crescendo and you just hear those emotions and you really feel it. And same with Masaki Suda and the way they their vocals just work so well together. They suit each other and it just makes the song absolutely fantastic and beautiful. And it's, it's also another one of my top ones on bootleg, which makes me love bootleg so much. It just, he is so great about working with other artists and just doing songs like this. I would love to see him keep working, you know, with Masaki Suda and they've done several things together, but this is one of my favorites too. And it's just, I can't say enough about this. This is one of his best ballads for sure. And I always look forward to tracks like this. Oh no, most definitely. When I heard the song, I was just like amazed by it because I didn't know who I, I wasn't paying attention for for the most part. I was like, this is an amazing song by Kenshi. And after I looked at it, I was like, oh, this is the Masaki Suda song. And when he, he comes in at the second part of the song, it's just amazing because they match each other's energy that they make the perfect pair pair for like if you're going to do like tennis app or the tennis comparisons that they make the perfect pair for each other because they feed off each other's energy 
and this is one of those songs that just to a T shows off his Kenji's skill of he knows who he's writing for either if it's for himself but 10 times more when he's with another artist this is one of many of those skills that he shows but yeah with that let's continue on to your number two luna so my number two is flamingo fla 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 flamingo so i my one and two can easily be switched depending on my mood and it has been a struggle because i love them both dearly and flamingo is fan freaking tastic and i do remember when this came out and I wasn't sure quite what quite to think of it before I saw the video due to the fact that it is an odd track. And it's mainly due to his vocal work in it, which it's extremely unique and it makes you remember it. And I actually liked your little tidbit on there about, you know, when he drinks, he makes those noises. And when you said that, and then I'm just like, you know, when you look, you can catch those little nuances in the song. And I love that because once you know that, it makes it even more special. And also with the video made me appreciate it more after Ken told me about it initially when we, when the single came out and it has, it's pretty much a tribute to Michael Jackson's thriller. You watch that with the red jacket and just his like mannerisms, you know, and how he moves and the monsters, but it's just more than that. And his vocal style, I love what he does with his vocal work in this as it is unique and it stands out and it made me remember this one and i always remembered flamingo for this reason is near the end of this track he does some enka in it and by golly he can do enka it is so freaking good and i love that he throws this in there random enka in this track and i love it and it he makes it fit he makes it work the composition of this is just amazing. He shows the control he has with his vocals that he can do all these things in this song and make it fit and make it perfect. And I I cannot say enough about how much I love Flamingo. And it's also extremely catchy because now every time I do hear the word Flamingo, I'm just going to start singing it and I'm going to annoy the crap out of everyone for that reason. So better hope I don't go to the zoo anytime soon. But I, I I wish if this would also made like my top five of 2018, you know, but I, I, uh, th- this, I cannot see enough. This has been my track of the week. Let's just put it that way. I've been, had this on repeat all week. Yeah, no, this is, this, this track was very interesting because this is the first track that he did after Lemon and I love it because he was like, you know, I made my money. I made my accolades. I'm going to do my own style. And the style that he did with this was so interesting. And it made me love it even more. And, you know, it wasn't until I looked more into this track and found out that 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 style, that all the nuances with this song was just so interesting. It made me love it even more. And it, it's it's a good thing that you were able to put this song on because I really wanted to talk about this song either way. Yeah, no, this is definitely a very interesting song. And it's a song, honestly, in a lot of ways, I'm still coming around to it because, I th- th- like, 
I don't. I just don't know how I feel about that Inca part. I, I'm sorry. It's like I'm not sold on that just yet. But the the baseline for the song is absolutely fantastic. It is. Oh my god, it is the best aspect of the song in my humble opinion. Just it works so well. I love the thumping baseline that they have for this. It just it really just sells the song and it's it's memorable. It sticks with you for a long time. It does stick in your head. The chorus of it is done really really well. It's got a really good hook to it as and um it really just gets in your head. Like I said, I think like the only part of the song I, I personally I, I did not care for was the Inca part, but it's a very minor nitpick. Uh, this is still a fantastic song, and and Ken's right about one thing. This is a very interesting song to follow up to Lemon. Uh, you don't talk about like going polar opposites of the spectrum, but this is a a very interesting, very interesting song. Oh yeah, and if you guys want to have a little treat, go watch the music video because. It ends where it begins, and it can loop into just forever, just into a, this forever night for him. <laughs> so it's it's very interesting to kind of watch that. And I, this was something that I picked up also when I was rewatching the music videos. I was like, the crash happens at the end of the music video, and he starts with that same crash just still there already. So, but it's one thing that's something. I'm going to go back and rewatch it again because I love that music video and just the, and this is my new addiction right now. So I wouldn't say new addiction, but current addiction. <laughs> okay. And now with that, let's continue on to our number ones here. And I'm, I was, I kind of did what you did there, Gray. My number one is actually a duet that he did with another artist. It is Uchiage Hanabi with Dalko. And honestly, this is one of the first songs I fell in love with from him. And I originally did not know it was from him <laughs> because this was when when you first asked me to come on this show. And I was like, OK, let me go kind of give a quick listen of all the popular artists right now and kind of see what's the music industry right now. I listened to the song because I knew Dalco. I fell in love with the song. The The composition brings out the best in both vocalists and is one of the best work that both Dalko and Kenshi has done because just how everything kind of connects and clicks, it's one of the best in my opinion. And it made me go watch this, the stupid animated movie and the, the movie is just, it's beautifully animated, but God, that story is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and also one of the things is the the music video is fully animated and it's taken scenes from the movie, and like I didn't know that I I originally thought it was just what the animated versions of what these vocalists are at the time, and I was like, oh no, no, no! Now that I'm older and wiser and st not stupid, <laughs> I know what it is. But it's an amazing song, and it's my best song by Kenshi Yonezu. Yeah, so I've had this song stuck in my head since we started recording. <laughs> my lord, uh, this is a, a fantastic song, and this I, I don't I don't know which duet I like more if it's this one or the one that I was was my number two. They're both just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think Dalco's vocals in this are superb in every way, and 
you know, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but I think this is the best instance where you have a, a really good flowing melody, but then there's this really, the technical term is crescendo, but in this particular song, it's an explosion into the chorus. Just as a burst of music, much like a firework going off as that chorus just hits. And, yeah, uh, most definitely. And, and it is just this fantastic song. And uh, the, the harmonization that Kinshi does with Dalko is fantastic. It is done so well. It just comes together in this amazing way and this whole song just wraps up it 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 is oh yeah it is a very powerful and moving song and it's a song that will stay with you i promise the moment you listen to it 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 makes me want to go watch this stupid anime because i hadn't watched it uh there's like three or four anime movies i want to watch on netflix and I haven't yeah. gotten around to them. It's on the list. It looks very pretty. but I... Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> let, let, let me tell you this much. So, if you... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, the... for, if you read the premise in Netflix for this thing, you know you're in for a ride because of the premise that it's doing. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's I agree. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Josh hated this movie so much. Yeah, the, uh, the, the music was fantastic. The animation music was fantastic. And animation was fantastic, but the story was so stupid, especially the ending. <laughs> oh my god, it was! It was so bad. It's like if I want to watch a movie like that, I want to watch Girl Girl Who Loved Her Time, not this. Oh, I love a Girl Who Loved Her Time. That movie is amazing. Yeah, that movie's really good. I like Girl Le- uh, the Girl Who Loved Her Time. This one, oh my god, it just made me really angry and. <laughs> I was so excited for this movie because I, you know, I, I, I'm like, oh, the animation looks absolutely gorgeous. And at the time I watched it, I was not familiar with Uchiyage Hanabi. And of course, like right when you get to the ending, Josh wants to turn it off. I'm like, hold on. I want to hear the ending theme. And I love the ending theme. So I refused to let him turn it off. And I thought it was absolutely beautiful. And it just like fits so well. However, the movie's not good and it's in our cell pile right now i only want to keep it for the ending theme but i can't keep it for that so <laughs> but i mean uchiyage Age hanabi is just a treat and like both gray and ken said i mean the vocal work of both dalko and kenshi i didn't even realize it was kenshi at first i had no idea i was trying to figure out who sang it because i'm like oh my god this song is so good I mean, these two artists are blending so well their vocals, their harmonies, and just like you, you know, so like the explosion of the chorus, the crescendo, it's just fantastic. And there's so much I love about this one. And just how I, I just cannot say enough how their vocals just blend and the composition of it. It is just beautiful. And I wish that that movie was actually good because the song is amazing. <laughs> And it just depresses me that it has one of the best songs ever and one of the worst stories I've ever watched. And I've watched a lot of crap. So I, but I highly recommend checking out the song because it is, it's just, I would say it's like a treat for the ears. And oh yeah, most definitely. I, I feel like this is his best duet because of how they blend and how they go back and forth in that. And 
you know, when you hear Dalco and then you hear Kenshi come in and how his voice just flows. Like, when she's done and he just picks it up and it flows and there's, like, it's just smooth. It's not like you don't even notice. It's one of those transitions that's just so smooth. And then it goes back and forth. And when they come together, I mean, oh, my God. It's it's just unnoticeable that how they flow and i i've never heard such a great duet you don't get duets that flow that perfectly together and i feel like a lot of it's part of him is because of how good he is at composing and also with their vocal work it shows how talented he is and how his vocals can vary on the song and he i feel like he fit his vocals to hers and made it so that they flowed together and that's one of the things i loved is an yep. artist like he meshed it and just made it work perfect yeah that that's that's the thing too because just the back and forth they had was just so amazing and n- no no shame to all his other duet songs that he does in stray sheep and then and hairo to ao because those were amazing too and it just goes to the fact that he knows kenshi knows who he's working with and he can compose and wrap those songs around who he's working with it really just shows that in spades with 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 uchiage hanabi hairo toao and and placebo because all, all those tracks that he composes with as a duet with were just simply amazing i agree it's just he knows how to work with the artists and work to their um how do you say it how to work to their vocals and how to work to their style and i think that's what makes him so great at what he does and makes all his duets so great is he can he can just he he can just i'm trying to think of how to actually the correct wording for this is he knows how to work with someone to the point that he understands them and their style, their mannerisms and everything and just meshes himself to that and it, in I'm trying not the word mesh, but I, not the word fold. I'm just trying to think of the correct term musical wise that he can just I, I, I guess I can just say make it work to their benefit. Just the synergy that he gives yes. off with them. The center. Yes. But yeah, it's it's my favorite song, and I already knew when I was when we decided to do him. This was already my number one. Like I already knew. Like there was no ifs, ands, or buts for it. It was my number one because this was the song that just made me fall back in love with music. After you asked me, Gray, to go go do this podcast, this was one of the first songs that made me feel like, damn, this is this is great. <laughs>
with that, let's continue on to your number one, Gray. I I I can't wait to talk about your number one as well because it was also another track that was such a treat. Oh yeah, and uh, my boat is very very similar to yours, Ken. When we agreed to do this, I was like. I, I, the, the moment we agreed, I even told you guys, number one's going to be peace sign. D- d- just go ahead and know it. It's going to be it. And yeah, it's peace sign by, by Kenshi Yonezu. This, this was the very, very first song I ever heard him do. And I will say, I think he technically has better songs. This probably is not his strongest. But it is an amazing song it's a lot of fun and i really think it fit the theme in the show of my hero particularly at that particular moment of the story very very well and you know of all the openings this is actually probably my second favorite opening of my hero some days it can be my number one it just depends i absolutely love this track from start to finish and it just captures this sense of wonder and awe and um you know every time i hear it like i feel like i'm about to go on an adventure and it is just this it's simple but it works melody it's got a great hook it really pulls you in i think his vocal work in this is done really really well uh it it, it is an anime song and it, it does have that anime feel to it but i think it differentiates itself enough to really stand out and it's not generic in any way and it, it's just it's just a fun track from start to finish and it, it just is my absolute favorite song that he does and i absolutely love it like i said i'm wearing my 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 hero academia shirt i've got several of them it, it is it is my favorite current running anime i just i huge fan of it and I, I know my love for the song is tied to the show but it, it's still an amazing track nonetheless and I, it is just my absolute favorite oh i agree it's fantastic and i originally was gonna have this in my top five but then uh since you picked it i'm like nah, i'm gonna switch it up for something because we're gonna get to talk about this one but funny thing is is i kind of forgot that this was a theme for my hero and when i was revisiting bootleg and i heard this i'm like why does this sound familiar i know i listened to this like within a year or two and i'm like i know it's for an anime what anime was this and i was too lazy to look it up at the time because i was like hey, i'm working i can't look it up so then i kept listening to him like sounds familiar and then you brought up it was my hero and then i'm like oh my god really after all, how many times I've rewatched it, I forgot it was my hero. I, I've, to give me credit, I only watched season two once versus season one twice. So, but it is a fantastic track. It does have the anime feel, but it's very catchy, very well done, well composed. I mean, I think this is a, another good introduction to Kenshi if you've never heard one. And I think for a lot of anime fan, uh, fans, this will be their introduction to him. And I think it is a good way to start off because he has great vocal work to it and great composition. And I know we kind of talked about this offline. Like, you can tell he puts his all into the first part that's used for the anime and then it drops a little bit in it. But not much. I mean, it's still a solid, like, track and extremely enjoyable. And I could listen to this one all the time as well. This is another reason I love bootleg is... It has so many solid ones like Peace Sign as well. And another favorite from this album. 
Yeah, so peace sign. I, I was very excited to talk about this song either way. If it wasn't going to be on yours, which I knew it wasn't going to, there was no chance of that happening. <laughs> I, I, I was going to pick it as well. You know, peace sign. Yes, I rib it for being the most shonen ass shonen theme song there is to a point. But it shows that if Kenshi is given a theme, he can do it. He can damn well do it. <laughs> And that's that's one thing that I ended up really liking about him, and yeah, peace sign. You know, as we we kind of talked about the first forty five to a minute of the song is the strongest, but the second part was kind of, it was it was alright, but it doesn't go it doesn't beat that first memorable punch that you have with the song, and that's the most important thing. We were talking about this off air and you're saying this is the radio moment where you're not going to pay attention to the song near the tail end you're going to pay attention for that beginning hook and that beginning 30 seconds to a minute to to see if you're going to keep your your finger on the dial so to speak or on the channel oh and it does that perfectly it does that perfectly yeah, because like if you're driving down the the road, uh, like you're gonna hear the opening hook, you're gonna hear the first verse, and if the song gets better in the second verse, guess what? You've you've already turned the channel. You're not listening to it anymore. So you, so that that opening hook has got to grab you. And this this song it just does it so well. Even the oh 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 da 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 like ah oh, man, this is like it's just such a good song. Just like that hook it. It it, it it lives up to that concept of a hook and just pulls you in. It's so good. continue on to your number one luna and this is going to be the last one so let's kick it off with a bang here and what is your number one and well you know it's kind of funny we're ending on this because this is one of the biggest songs of 2018 and it is lemon and i feel like this was a song that got us really looking at kenshi and despite us listening to bootleg in 2017 we kind of forgot because I feel like, like you said, we didn't know what to think of it. But then when Lemon came up, he became a huge talking point for us because this song charted for pretty much a whole year and it just kept popping back up. And I feel like for a while we didn't know what to think of it. And that's how I felt about this song. And this is one of the songs I remembered the most by him because it stood out and I really am like, what is this? I don't know what to think. And part of it was his vocal work. Is It was something unique to the industry. 
and the composition with it too and not to mention the video is a little strange and for I still remember my initial response to this is like I don't know how I feel about this I don't know whether I like it or I don't but I'll recognize it's very unique and it stands out and the more I listened to it the more it grew on me and this became one of my favorite Kenshi songs and whenever I hear this song it's one of those ones that I will sit and I will sing to and I always go back to it too. If I'm listening to Kenshi, Lemon is on that playlist. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the chorus. I don't know if it's the composition. I, it's just, I maybe it's everything about the song. It just is one of the most unique songs I heard in a long time in the industry. And I think that is the initial point that really grabbed me thinking, you know, this kind of got us talking and got us recognizing him. And I feel like after that we had Flamingo, you know, but this was the song for me that made me remember him. And I recognize as soon as I hear Yunezi Kenshi, I think Lemon. And it's because it still stands out the most to me. I mean, maybe not as much compared to like Flamingo now. Just because some of the weird nuances. However, I mean, the composition is beautiful. His vocal work, I actually really like with the track now. I mean, it flows so well. He just did something that I feel like no other artist of 2018 tried to do or did. And this broke him out and made everyone look at him. And I'm glad that we did this podcast or I might not have heard of him until Peace Sign. Until I finally watched that season of My Hero. And then I still might not have dived into him. I think Lemon and us doing this made me recognize him and made me more interested in his music. And I'm kind of curious how you guys think because we all talked about Lemon together. And this was like a growing point and a speaking point for us for a while. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that we get to end on this song and it's 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 kind of fitting that it, it was a song that at first we did not know what to think about this song because it was just so out of the ordinary and we just didn't know what to do with this we i remember me and you gray didn't really like this song we liked its b-side we liked the cranberries and pancakes the b-side yep. much more better yep. than lemon but then somehow after it being shoved down our throats how many weeks and us being li- listening to it I finally got wound over by it because just it isn't something we haven't heard before at this point in the industry. And it was something very interesting that made me pay attention to not only this song, but to this vocalist as a whole. Yeah. I am. I am so glad that Luna picked this as her, her number one, because I, I think this is in a lot of ways like the best song to really go out on and uh ken's right this is this, this is a hard song to pin down even today you know in, in my brain i like to you know put songs in categories like okay that's a rock song that's a pop song i don't know what category you would throw lemon in it, it's just it's a very unique thing and you know it, it it did it took a while for me to come around to it but it's a it's a it is a good song it's excellently it's well composed it's got a good yeah. hook to it. It's got a great melody to it. And, and it sticks with you. It's memorable. It really stands out in the crowd. And 
you know, not only did he do something that was unique and original in 2018, he, he did something that was unique. And I don't think I've heard a song quite like Lemon ever since. Like, I mean, it, this is still a song in a lot of ways. Like, like I still don't know what to do with it in, in some ways in my brain because it's like I want you in a category, but there's no category to throw you in. Yeah. It's it's getting to the point that it's its own category. It's just a lemon category. Yeah, yeah, it's just the, the, really the lemon is. category. Yeah, I, I can't categorize what I would put it as. It's not pop. It's not rock. It's not folk. It's, it, yeah. you know, it's like you go it's, through all the it's, categories. It's, it's, it's too, like its own musical piece. It's too fast to be a ballad, too. And, and and it's just and I think that was one of the reasons that I struggled with this song because I was like because like you're sitting here with this song and I'm like I I don't know what to do with it I, I i just don't like like do i dance to it do i do it, like what it, it's just a very interesting number and you know i remember hearing you know seeing it on the oricon uh i think i think this will be a memory to, uh to my dying day is his performance of this song at the at the not the oricon the kohaku i don't know why I kohaku call it the yeah uh I, I got i got the next episode we're doing stuck in my head like when he did that live performance at the Oricon, like that moment was triumphant in, in, in a lot of ways. And and to like to my dying day, I will take that with me because that that moment right there, I, I I think in a lot of ways will define his career because that was just a, a captivating moment, and it was just a moment to behold and just absolute awe and splendor. And this song is absolutely fantastic. It is just. A unique, one of a kind song. You're you're not going to hear anything else like it. And if you if you have not heard it, stop. Like you're going to hear it in a minute, like the first minute of it. But then just go out and listen to the full thing because just capturing the first minute of Lemon does not do the song justice. It just doesn't. no, it doesn't. Like you got to. You need it. to hear this in entirety and i recommend you know listen to apple music spotify however you check out your music go on youtube watch the music video it's very interesting yes 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 it is very interesting i i i noticed uh in both peace sign and lemon um kenshi's wearing high heels and i'm wondering where yep. he got his high heels at like, like i wonder how comfortable those are because because i've always felt like they looked very uncomfortable Let's just say this much: he he walks around with it too. So yeah. I'm like, ah, so you you have a knack for this, I, 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 you know? Yeah, like so I was, it's, I've it's, always felt like those things look uncomfortable. So yeah, but yeah, I, it's this this song. Like I said, like like what you brought up with the Kalaka, that is just a career defining moment. And I guess this is one of the reasons why he just doesn't want to go back to the co-op because he's like, you know, I I made it with Lemon. I don't think no one else would like the other songs if we put it for a national test. So let's just end it there kind of thing. Well, also that that moment would be really hard to top or recapture yeah. in any manner. Like that yeah. is a very yeah. unique oh, moment agree. for a very unique yeah. time. It is. It's very unique and it's memorable and it's something that'll always stay with everyone. So for him, you know, going back on there takes away that big moment he had with Lemon and that memorable moment. So I completely agree with him not wanting to go back because that's something I'll never forget. I remember us watching that, you know, it's forever burned in my memory. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the final marshals with all the damn candles they had on that set too, was going crazy too. Oh my God. But, they they had to have like oh, 50 to a hundred candles. Like my yeah, God. They had yeah. like so many candles. In that set. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
。夢ならばどれほど良かったでしょう。未だにあなたのことを夢に見る。忘れたものを取りに帰るように。古びた思い出の埃を。戻らない幸せがあることを最後にあなたが教えてくれた言えずに隠してた暗い過去もあなたがいなきゃ永遠に暗いままきっともうこれ以上傷つくことなど。But yeah, you know, I want to thank you for joining on us on this lovely thing. I ended around where I thought we would end with this episode, and we actually that, went you know, longer than I thought we would. I, I'm not gonna lie because he, he, yeah, you know, we're only covering like four or five albums. Like I, I thought I knew we'd that, be a little short, but you know, yeah, no, no, I, I, I think mostly because. To pin his work is a little bit hard to kind of give our reasons for our top five, and I think this is why we need that little extra oomph for it. Oh yeah, but, most definitely. Yeah, like I said, "To End with Lemon" is just very nice because it is one of the songs that made his career. And you know, I know he's probably not listening to this. Knock on wood, there. But、um, if he is, you know, I can't wait to see what the future has in store for Kenshi Inazu. And I can't wait to see what his music does for the next generation, to what that inspires, to either co- composition or vocal wise. Well, maybe maybe not so much vocal wise for some things, <laughs> but it definitely just his mark on the industry is going to always be remembered. And I'm so happy that we got to do this little bit in depth look with him. I was gonna say I am too. I think it gave us all a bigger look into his career, and I'm curious to see, like you said, what the next generation holds and see where he'll go from here. I mean, we we can see with Stray Sheep, he had free reign and it's amazing. So to see what he'll do next or see what he'll compose next, and see who that inspires and who he works with, I think it's gonna be a treat. And I'm glad we got to dive into his work and actually discuss him. And I'm just looking forward to what's next. You know, we we talk a lot about you know different artists who,、um, who are talented and very gifted, and we talk very very little about people who are, in my humble opinion, geniuses at what they do, and and. You know, like I said, I have some very minor critiques as far as his vocal work goes, but composition-wise, Kenshi Yonezu is most definitely a genius, and I don't use that term lightly. It he is just like he has a gift, and it is just a wonder that he that you know we get to experience it. And you know, I hope he's listening. I, I hope he's listening because you know that would be great because. Not that I want him to hear. I think he he's not the best vocalist, but that you know that, that there's people in America that love and appreciate his music because in, you know that that's one of the things I think a lot of Japanese artists want to do is they want to go international. So you know I would love for him to listen to this show, but th- this was a lot of fun. You know you know it was a 
pretty difficult journey for me, but I walked away uh, from this with a deep, profound respect for Kenshi Yonezu and what he does. And I, I am also looking forward to what he's doing, what he's going to do next. I think, you know, he's going to define the next generation. I think, I, I, I agree with Ken. I think he's going to be the, the definition of the Rewa era. And I think he's going to inspire a lot of up and coming artists. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, you know, the next generation is going to do and how he furthers uh, music and uh, evolves our understanding of what music can and will be. So this has definitely been a, a blast and um, and I've thoroughly enjoyed my time with Kinshi and this, is, this has been a lot of fun. But yeah, with that, I want to say thank you for kind of listening to our our lovely artist spotlight of Kenshi Yunezu. You can find us on all the lovely things here. You probably just heard our regular episode also earlier in the week. So we also gave our thoughts of Kite, the number one song, and he, what she composed and we absolutely love. And go check that out. Go check us out on all the social media sites at Ongakudu. You can check out the site at ongakudu.com. You can check us out on YouTube. Unfortunately, this this episode won't be up for YouTube for a particular reason. <laughs> yes. But yeah. Also check out our affiliates. Koryu Hunter, he is a Twitch streamer who is has a love-hate relationship with the monkeys that are known as Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong. You can check him out at twitch.tv slash Hunter K-Y-O-R-Y-U-H-U-N-T-E-R. You can also check out our other affiliate, Timber Taff, who is a Twitch streamer in his own right. And going through Witcher and Zelda Twilight Princess Randomizer. You can check him out at twitch.tv slash TimberTaff, T-I-M-B-R-T-F-T. You can also check out your sister, Luna Rose, who is going through possibly Monster Hunter and yep, Crossing? Yep, Monster Hunter. I know no. she's doing Monster Hunter recently. She's been uh, doing a lot of cross streaming with it. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So Monster Hunter. So you can check her out at twitch.tv slash RainstarKitty, R A I N S T A R K I T T Y. You can also check out our, lastly, our affiliate, Fangirl Has No Name. She is an amazing variety streamer and very close with the Zelda community. So you can check her out at twitch.tv slash Fangirl Has No Name, F A N G I R L H A S N O N A M E. And you can also check out the podcast that I do with Fangirl, Kyo, and Timber called Potasaurus. This week was a very special episode because it was only me and Timber. So whatever hijinks, insanity that goes, we talked about the Xbox Microsoft presser, which was interesting, I guess, because he doesn't watch anything. So I had to pull out everything out of my ass. So go check that out at Courtney Hunter. Go look up Courtney Hunter on all podcast services so you can check that out. But yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at OTYKen1 where I tweet about Bang Dream, Aina Aiba, video games, Bang Dream, Seiyu's, Bang Dream, and did I mention Bang Dream? Yeah, Bang Dream. You can also follow Renford at Renford D. Where can we find you, Gray? You can find me on Twitter at Ongaku Gray where you can find about the one thing that would kick me out of the Tokusatsu community. It's probably the most interesting thing I tweeted this week. So if you want my thoughts and opinions on uh, mostly Kamen Rider, uh, you can follow me there and or just, you know, if you're interested in what I'm listening to, I sometimes give an update there. So, yep, follow me there. And you, Luna? You can find me on Letterboxd. 
Twitter and my anime list in Anime Planet at Lemur87. And those are if you want to keep up with what I'm watching on Letterboxd. Me and the husbando have been going through the Tsukamoto movies, who's a very interesting Japanese director, has a lot of weird movies that I love. And you can check me out as Nerdy Collector Luna on Instagram, and you can see some of my various physical media I have. But yeah, once again, I want to say thank you very much for listening to this pretty much movie-sized episode of Ongakudu, going into our artist spotlight of Kenshi Yonezu. I want to say thank you once again for listening to this episode. And this is your host, Ken, saying thank you very much, and have a great day. Aloha. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Hope you enjoyed us diving into Yonezu Kenshi, and we hope that you check out uh, check out all his music and let us know what you think. I hope you have a great rest of your week. This is Luna signing off. Ja matane. And this is great. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as we did. And we will see you guys back next time when we'll be doing a regular episode. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.